This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is April the 30th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Be a unique beast. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. I'm offended by selling. Best freaking guest in the space. I bring you every Friday on the This Week in Bitcoin show. We got quite a panel today. David Bennett is back. Brandon over at uh, Bitcoin Magazine. He's in the house. And Paul Capistani is back. It has been like two, three years. He's in Puerto Rico now. Oh, he's got all sorts of stories to tell. And he could tell you even more stories because he's the one guy who's been on the This Week in Bitcoin show who knew me before I was in Bitcoin. He was in Baltimore when I was in Baltimore. Long story. We're not going to talk about those partying days. We're going to talk about partying right now. And you know what? There's a big party that's going to be going on in Miami on June 4th and 5th. Bitcoin Magazine is putting on a huge Bitcoin event. And you know, so many of my guests are going to be there. I, I obviously, every week I ask, Paul Paul, Paul is going to be there. Brandon's going to be there. Brandon is one of the dudes that's putting it on, though. All right. So that's, that's pretty freaking awesome. This guy, this is his job to put on this awesome party, get all these Bitcoiners together in one place, bring all these awesome speakers together. And what's going on on Twitter with Brandon? People are attacking him. It's the Bitcoin Inquisition. It's Bitcoin cancel culture up in Brandon's face, baby. So here is just one example of a tweet. It says, I'd appreciate it if you uninvited Shamath, Novogratz, and Eric Voorhees. It's pretty awful looking for our space. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awful looking for our space that Eric Voorhees comes to a Bitcoin event, that Eric Voorhees, who's been in, in this space since before me, definitely, who, who was, you know, before the Bcash stuff happened, he was huge in, in this space, okay? He's just going to talk about Bitcoin. He's not going to talk about altcoins or whatever the heck he does over there. He's, he's talking about Bitcoin. But people are critiquing. They're going crazy on a private event that is – they're only going to speak about Bitcoin. That some of these guys have used other words before. They've talked about Ethereum. They've sold Ethereum. I don't know what, what some of these dudes – you know, Chamath. And, and again, you, you do your own event if you don't like this event. That, that's what I got to say. But it's, it's part of a bigger picture in, in uh, Bitcoin social media. And if you say – like people don't put anything in context. You say the word Ethereum, you're shilling Ethereum. I mean, we have people, listening comprehension people, come on. So, Brandon, I just laid it out there for you. What is going on? What is going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, you hit on a lot of things that I would, I would probably say as well. I think, you know, I love Bitcoin Twitter. Obviously, you know, it's a lot of fun. But sometimes, you know, uh, uh, the, the kind of the cyber hornets turn on you and, and you've got to kind of, uh, you know, uh, try and reason with everybody. And this is one of those situations where, you know, uh, it's really easy to just put people in the other category and say, you know, they're not Bitcoiners, but we operate from the standpoint that Bitcoin's going to be the future global reserve currency and everyone in the world will be using it. And so in our, in our opinion, everyone eventually is a Bitcoiner and we're trying to build the biggest possible umbrella in order to bring in as many Bitcoiners as we can and into kind of this, this one place. And, you know, we see ourselves as a little bit of a Trojan horse when it comes to our speakers, because, you know, we saw this in 2019, we see this now, 
you have speakers, you have folks working on all sorts of different things outside of the Bitcoin industry, looking at other, you know, uh, coins, altcoins, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. Bitcoin is the signal. It's, it's where everyone should be focusing all their time. And this is a really good opportunity to kind of show that to the world. It's like, you think that there's cool innovations happening outside of Bitcoin. You, you haven't been paying attention to what's going on inside Bitcoin. And so we see this as a real good opportunity to actually highlight all the cool things that are happening, all the innovations, the, the scaling, the side chains, uh, lightning, all the, the you know, cool things that are happening and basically give Bitcoin its moment in the sun. And, you know, through doing that, you see people kind of recommit themselves to, to working on Bitcoin. You see so many people getting jobs from this. You see so many people just pivoting their entire businesses to refocus on what is the true value in, in the world, which is Bitcoin. So, you know, uh, uh, I, I hear everyone. I hear everyone talking about how, you know, people can talk. Some of these guys talk about other stuff. Uh, and you know, that's cool for them. You know, we're not interested in that. That's not what we care about. We're here for Bitcoin. Uh, and, and, you know, we're just going to create the biggest platform we can, uh, uh, for Bitcoin. And that's, that's this conference. But what, what overall picture, you know, b before you're putting on this, you've been on social media for a while. What is your take on this Bitcoin inquisition type of attitude though? It, it reminds me of in the, the bigger, bigger world. If people don't like what you say, they just call you a racist. And now if people, they just call everybody a scammer in Bitcoin. It, it, it's, it's the equivalent. What, what do you think about these generalities and, and, and just the, the cancel culture uh, mentality that's kind of seeped in here? I mean, we, <laughs> I, I thought we had open-minded people and people could, you know, you do your thing over there. I do my thing over there. It's fine. But it seems like some people want to destroy other people. Yeah, well, you know, I see this as kind of the, the late stages of the attention economy that sprung up kind of uh, at the beginning of, of social media. Uh, uh, you know, we are seeing now basically uh, a somewhat of a microcosm of society happen on Twitter. And the way that Twitter is, is kind of incentivized and set up is that you have to make the, the loudest noise. You have to say the most extreme thing. And that's ultimately what gets you the most attention. And, uh, you know... These, these guys are, are out there just kind of uh, spewing whatever they can say in order to get extra likes and retweets and follows uh, in order to boost their status among all the rest of the Bitcoiners and, and grow. And so, you know, uh, it, it's a strategy. I think that a lot of it's kind of hollow. I don't think you would see that coming from these guys in person. In fact, you, you know, we didn't see it at 2019. Uh, uh, once you meet anyone in person, like they're not the Twitter warrior that they are kind of behind the keyboard. So you know, we're all in this uh, boat together. Like we're all here trying to make Bitcoin succeed. And, uh, you know, some people are doing it through, you know, their jobs or, you know, media that they're, uh, you know, creating content. And then some guys are, are trying to do it just through kind of their, their Twitter presence. And, you know, that, that requires kind of perverse incentives in my opinion. But I think that's a lot of what's, what's causing this sort of culture to spring up. Yeah. And, I don't think it's awful. This guy says awful looking for our space. I mean, making these big gen – what's our space here exactly? But, I mean, Voorhees, no regrets, Chalmers, they're good guys. I mean, you've got all sorts of other speakers. I'm sure if you could go through everybody's bio, you'd find a time when they mentioned Ethereum or something. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, all right. we So, Paul, you're, you're going to the event. Why, why are you coming to go, going to the event? And uh, what do you what do you think about this? Are people blowing it out of proportion? Um, I I can kind of see maybe the perspective like so 
I don't know. I avoided Bitcoin conferences. I mean, literally since 2013, just because of all the uh, S coins <laughs> and all the ICOs and all of that that was happening, you know, um, and getting pushed at like Bitcoin conferences. Um, but this one really caught my attention because it seemed kind of like a Bitcoin maximalist ish kind of conference. I don't know, Ben, would you say that's sort of the approach going on or? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we would stray from like the term Bitcoin maximalist because we see that as just like, you know, this one sect of Bitcoin, but we're, we're Bitcoin only. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're not here to talk about anything other than Bitcoin. So, you know, we, we are aligned there. Yeah. So for me, that like absolutely caught my attention and the fact that it's in Miami and that we've been under lockdown for practically a year i was like i'm ready to go party in miami um so yeah i'm absolutely looking forward to it the last conference i went to uh for bitcoin was in 2013 so in san jose wow. so it's been a while um but yeah this one's like the lineup and everything seems awesome yeah no we actually so back in 2019 when we first kind of decided we were gonna uh, uh you know create this bitcoin only conference we modeled it after bitcoin 2013 our, our ceo david david bailey was at Bitcoin 2013 and was like, it changed his life. It's the reason that he got into Bitcoin. So that's, yeah. that's all we're trying to build is, is create the platform for people to, you know, engage with Bitcoin on like a personal level. And then, you know, uh, a Trojan horse, force them into the industry, make this, you know, uh, take over their lives so that they can help us make this thing succeed. That's our goal. Yeah. I think, a, yeah. I, think a, I think a lot of people haven't been at other events. This is a, this is an issue. I was at an event and I mean, everybody was pitching. I see. This was 2018. This is when I met Christian, actually, who works for, uh, who you know, obviously, Brandon. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I mean, everyone's pitching their ICO. This is what's going on in Miami. That's not. That's not what's happening. Every speaker is speaking about Bitcoin. It's that simple. It's that simple. And it, perhaps they've spoken about other things. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Paul, you, you're not that big in the social media. You're, I mean, you're, we're going to talk about Clubhouse at the end because I know you're doing the Clubhouse stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what, what do you think? Is there a cancel culture in, 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 in the Bitcoin space? Um, I mean, there's like the cyber hornets, right? Like, and I think it, it's interesting, right? Like you kind of do need, it's sort of an immune response, right? But you don't want that immune response to like, go into overdrive and like become like an autoimmune like kind of disease, you know, where you're too toxic of a maximalist. Um, so it balances out, I think, in the end. Um, and yeah, like I personally don't have any problems with Shamath being there. Eric Voorhees, he was kind of on the wrong side of the whole uh, uh, block size debate. Oh, he was. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think he came to his senses like after everything was said and done, you know, um, so I can see, like, those were, like, really, I don't know, intense times. So I can kind of see why some people might be against uh, Eric being there. But, like, whatever, you know? Like, I, I think it's cool to to see him around. Yeah, Eric said he was sorry. He said he, he you know, he... It, it was uh, it was the two X. He supported the the two X side of things. He didn't like the yep. B cash. He liked the two X. People don't even some people don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. Pound that like <laughs> button if you weren't if you weren't here in 2017 because most people uh, weren't here in 2017. But but we were here. All right. Speaking about being here in 2017, uh, and if you guys have questions, I have answers. Type in Bitcoin. My sure do a super chat. We'll we'll answer your questions. But uh, David Bennett, we we've. Uh, we've you haven't spoken yet what's your take on all this 
Well, I'm not going to the conference just because it's, man, it's like I'm in the panhandle of Texas. That's a, that's a long flight. That's an expensive trip for me. <clears throat> so I'll be at Bitblock Boom because it's just easier to get to Dallas than Miami. But as far as the lineup is concerned, I'll admit I'm, I'm guilty myself of having some fairly violent, well, not violent reactions, but some sick to my stomach reactions. And that's just me being truthful. However, here's the issue. If I don't want to go see Chamath talk, I don't have to. I can go see somebody else talk. I don't have to go to to Eric Voorhees' talk. I don't have I don't I mean I can choose to participate in that or I can choose not to participate in that. The fact that I have a choice is all I really care about. And if you don't want to go see Chamath talk, then don't go. You, and, and there's there's one other there's sort of like one other thing is that Chamath was invited, and then a couple of weeks later he started spewing out some stuff that caused the the immune response. Well, you can't just uninvite somebody because what you do in the position of something as something as large of an organization that's putting this on is you're no longer trusted. All of a sudden, people go, oh, I got this invitation from these guys that canceled everybody else's invitation. Okay, well, you can't operate that way. You can rail against it. You can bitch about it, and I do. But it, at the end of the day, you can't just burn your trust. It's like you're, the trust and the reputation in this space is probably the most flammable thing that I've ever seen. And an organization the size of this can't light a fire to their to their reputation in being able to put on events next year and the year after that. So my, I think I'm just going to leave it here with my advice is if you don't like some of the guys that are talking to the conference, then don't go to the talk. Go to the talk of the, of the person that you want to hear from. You're, you're not being forced to, you know, they're not going to chain you in the chair. Go get a drink. Go get like go drink some beer. <laughs> That's what I would be doing. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, David, you actually you nailed a lot of uh, a lot of what we've been talking about too. It's like you know when we when we invited Jamath, uh, he had just gone on a show uh, where he was talking to I think Laura Shen, and she was like, "Well, what do you think of this whole DeFi thing?" And he was like, "I don't even know what the heck that is. It's, <laughs> it's Bitcoin or it's nothing, right?" <laughs> You know, and then like since then, he's kind of just started diving into everything, and it's like at that point, you know, are we just going to go tell him that he's he's disinvited? You just can't do that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely it's put us in a weird place. I don't know if he's realized how weird of a place he's kind of put us in, uh, but you know, it's just it's one of those things that you know you're peeling back behind the curtain a little bit right now, but. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough on our end, and we're trying to make the right decisions, and it's it hasn't been easy. Um, but another thing that you kind of hit on is that, and this is something that we're learning right now. You know, when we put out a speaker, uh, that speaker is kind of like, in, in that moment, becomes representative of the entire conference. And so, people's mind, it's like the entire conference is about this one speaker. No, they're like probably part of a panel in one one stage at one time, and you know, in this content, and you you are expected to go enjoy the entire conference and tune into what you want to learn about or hear about and tune out what you don't want to learn and hear about. So, you know, I think you absolutely nailed it. Like we're trying to give as many uh, uh, diverse backgrounds, opinions, uh, uh, perspectives on Bitcoin and, and kind of let those ideas flourish and the, the good ones, you know, rise to the top and the bad ones 
uh, get, you know, booed and ignored and, and whatever else. So, you know, like we're just trying to make that platform for the ideas to come together. So uh, I think that, you know, both of you guys, you know, that's valuable feedback and, and like definitely agree with a lot of what you said. And uh, ultimately, you know, we'll learn from this, we'll grow from this. Uh, but I, I, you know, one of my kind of takeaways here is like anyone could eventually get canceled at any time. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, that's part of the reputational risk you have when you uh, are, are building a conference, I guess. Uh, and by the, way, by the way, you meant people, uh, who mentioned it? David mentioned that Chamath, you know, said some interesting things on social media. He got into a battle with Surfer Jim. We had Surfer Jim on last week, uh, last week's show. So he, he explained that. So people curious about that. You can tune in. All right. So not everyone's going to get and see what Surfer Jim had to say. Uh, it wasn't, you know, I, I think Ch Chamath can be quite obnoxious or whatever. But again, if you don't like it, it, dudes, it is hard to put on a mega conference. And so it, it just boils back down to this whole Bitcoin purity thing. And that's what I want to conclude it with, with David, because you, you didn't address that. What What is up with being Bitcoin pure? Are people just taking this to an extreme? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, my gut feeling is that while the perception of that could be in the affirmative, I still think having a huge vein of just Bitcoin only is really important going forward. Now, here's, here's the thing. Am I Bitcoin pure? No, I'm not. I have four Ethereum Classic chilling out in some hardware wallet that I cannot access right now because Ledger decided to not support my operating system, so I can't update the firmware. I also have a hefty bag of Doge. Why? Because I bought it when I was an idiot. When I first got in in 2015, I was like, oh, this is a cute little coin. Oh, it's so precious and cute, fluffy. Oh, and I got a bag of Doge. I also hold a bag of Litecoin. And I just, I'm, I'm literally so not interested right now in figuring out how to, I, I don't want to buy a new ledger because mine are bricked as far as I can tell. I was able to get my, my Bitcoin off of it because I used a, a Electrum wallet, but that's all I cared about. So I've got three bags of, of crappy coins. And so therefore, technically, I'm not a purist. I can't, and I've, I've said this on several occasions, I cannot actually say that I'm Bitcoin only because I hold a bag of Doge. So what do I do going forward when it comes to reputation? It's to at least tell the listeners of my podcast that don't, don't do what I did. Don't go buy Doge. I don't even know if I could sell it. Honestly, if I got it off and put it on Kraken, is it going to be liquid enough for somebody? Will somebody buy it? Sure, it's 29 cents right now, but that means absolutely nothing until I have a liquidity test, which is what Tesla did. Oh, I guess we'll get it. I guess we'll get into that later. I didn't mean to do that. But so at the end of the day, going towards a Bitcoin only mindset, I think is actually a good thing. However, I. I've said the word Ethereum before. I've said it several times on my show. I don't like Ethereum, but I've said it. Have I caught crap for it? Oh my, yeah, yeah, I've caught it. But I just, I just keep moving forward. I'm like, 
I'm at 410 hour long shows right now. I'm not going to not do 411 on Monday because I got yelled at. <laughs> there you go. Remain in motion. That is what this is all about, people. And by the way, he's linked to below. All three of these dudes are linked to below. Follow them on Twitter. Let's let's do the segue then. You, you okay. brought it up. What's this? Uh, te- everyone spazzed out. The Tesla sold ten percent of their Bitcoin. This was at the beginning of the week, people. It it's been a long week, uh, and they mentioned liquidity there. So, but and Elon Elon Musk still has his Bitcoin. But there were yeah. some people that are like Elon Musk sold his Bitcoin. I mean, the rumors, the social media, the nonsense. So, w- w- what was up with that, David? With, with is this? It was this really a serious uh, issue here that they sold ten percent of their Bitcoin? What, what was this liquidity thing, or was that just a totally made up thing? No, it's it's actually not a made up thing. And and I is it? I think it's Arsis a like on Twitter A R C I S gave me a really great response to a question that I had put up on on Twitter, saying, "Am I am I just getting this wrong?" Because I wanted to know that actually it was it was I was talking about it on on my podcast where I was like going, "Well, okay, we got two companies. We got MicroStrategy, who did not do a liquidity test, and then we have Tesla, which stated that they did a liquidity test and it passed with flying colors." However, he brought up the fact of something that I'd forgotten about is that when MicroStrategy first got into Bitcoin on August the 11th of last year, they gave all of their shareholders an option to be bought out of their shares of MicroStrategy at a premium price, which means that from a fiduciary commitment that they have to have to their shareholders, they passed that test. What that was is that that was another kind of liquidity test, except it was on the other side of the trade. It was for their shareholders to say, I don't like Bitcoin. I don't like you going into this. This makes me nervous, and therefore I want out. Whereas when Tesla did it, they were proving to their shareholders who did not have a say because they were not given a premium buyout on their shares when Tesla first decided to buy Bitcoin, then the shareholders now – see that, well, it was good for their stock price. It was good for, I don't know if Tesla gives a dividend, but if they do, it's good for their dividend. So what he, what this guy on, on Twitter was trying to articulate here is that it was two sides of the same coin and both companies did the right thing. They just did it in different ways. But this is all about protecting the shareholder from the, from the board of directors and CEO standpoint. Does that, does that make sense there? Yes. It, okay. it, it, it does make sense. And, and the bottom line is people don't blow it all out of, you know, not everybody can have the strongest of hands. <laughs> not everybody, they do, you know, corporations have uh, fiduciary responsibilities. They got to do different things. Uh, so they still have 90% of their Bitcoin. It was plenty of Bitcoin. Um, I think, I think there's just a lot of people like, oh, they're dumping everything now. It's the end of the world. Uh, P- Paul, did you have any take on this news? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw Dave Portnoy and uh, the tweet he exchange he had with uh, Elon. So, yes. Yeah, Dave, for people who don't know, is uh, like the founder of Barstool Sports, kind of a big thing, um, apparently. And man, he's made some really dumb decisions in terms of like his crypto investments. He apparently only just recently got <laughs> back into Bitcoin and he has like one Bitcoin now after like selling off in a panic uh, a few months back. But yeah, he was like, so am I understanding this correctly? Elon Musk buys Bitcoin, then he pumps it, it goes up, then he dumps it and makes a fortune. 
So uh, Elon responds, no, you did not, as in you do not understand this correctly. I have not sold any of my Bitcoin. Tesla sold 10% of its holdings, essentially to prove liquidity of Bitcoin as an alternative to holding cash on a balance sheet. So, yeah, I thought that was a funny little exchange. Oh, yeah. And uh, but it, it just shows you how rumors start. Dave is no expert, okay? Um, and he said something completely out of way. And that's how the rumor started that Elon Musk dumped. It was because of Dave Portnoy. Uh, but that didn't happen. Again, it, it, it was strictly on the business side, and it was 10%. Uh, Brandon, your your take on the situation? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, peeling behind the curtain, we had been talking with Elon about uh, speaking at the conference. He well, Unfortunately, he can't make it. Uh, uh, he's got too many things going on. But he, would, he, he had a hold on his calendar for a while. We were pretty excited to maybe be able to make that announcement that he'd be there. Uh, Maybe still holding out hope he might show up, uh, but you know he knows about it. He's definitely on his radar, and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, m my take originally when I heard about this was that you know I think the first purchase, like their their purchase, was roughly like eight percent of their balance sheet put into Bitcoin. Uh, if that doubled, uh, then you were looking at somewhere around sixteen percent, which I, I you know roughly doubled uh, uh, the price. So. My my initial take was like, all right, well, if you had to sell 10% of what you had, that would bring like 16, 17% down to like 15%. I wonder if he had some agreement with the board that it wouldn't surpass X amount of their, their balance sheet. It seems like he kind of shot that down with the response. But, you know, uh, uh, something to keep in mind is like as Bitcoin continues to grow, uh, it's going to become a larger and larger portion of Tesla's balance sheet and something that like, you know, they're going to have to to grapple with as like a board and Unlike MicroStrategy, who, like you said, uh, like you said, David was like, you know, they talked to the board beforehand. They're like, this is it. If you want out, get out. Tesla kind of did it. You know, uh, I'm sure they, you know, had a board approval, but they didn't try and do a stock buyback in order to like get folks on board. So I would anticipate as Bitcoin continues to grow, they may have to sell more just to maintain, you know, a balance sheet that is uh, ultimately in line with their investors and. Uh, that I mean, you know, that it's their loss for selling, but I think that's just a matter of fact when it comes to some of these institutions buying. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I think it proves liquidity. So, uh, you know, I think that ultimately this is a bullish thing for Bitcoin. Elon proved just right there that he could get into and out of a position without the entire market even knowing that he did it. Uh, so, so I think it's awesome. Yes, and again, you said Elon, but it is it's Tesla. It's, right, right, it's Tesla. Tesla. It's Tesla. All right, let's. Uh, Let's get on to another topic that people love to fight about and love to put on a pedestal. China. Cointelegraph mm -hmm. has an article, Bitcoin mining in China set for stricter supervision due to carbon concerns. And Brandon, you wanted to talk about this and, and the, the hash rate tumult of, I think that was actually last week. But uh, what's going on with this? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, starting kind of with the hash rate tumult, uh, you had this and, you know, we could speculate on exactly why and how this happened, but you basically had a coal mine in China uh, get flooded and, and shut down, which shut down a power plant in like the Shenzhen uh, uh, area and took like 20-ish, 25% of the hash rate basically offline in one fell swoop. Uh, that's why we saw all the crazy on-chain fees over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, now we've had the difficulty adjustment, we're back up and running, like everything, you know, is, is back going. But I saw that as like a very, very, uh, pretty crazy 
you know, one power plant basically goes offline and 25% of the hash rate goes with it. Uh, that That's a red flag, uh, in my opinion. And it shows kind of that there's, you know, not only is there a lot of hash power in China, but all the hash power goes to the same part of China at the same time, which is which is really funny. And of course, now we're starting to enter the wet season. So you'll see them move over into the, the uh, uh, Sichuan region and, and start harvesting hydroelectric. So, you know, all that to be said, uh, uh, it's interesting that China, you know, Beijing itself is now at least running some data servers that are looking at, I think they said like looking at Filecoin or something like that. So not quite Bitcoin mining, but, you know, they're paying attention to this whole mining thing. And it's definitely, it's going to be interesting. But personally, I find that exciting and bullish because if China tries to start cracking down, uh, these miners are going to have wind of this weeks in advance and they'll ship all of those ASICs out of China before they even know what happened. Uh, and, and so ultimately this, you know, just removes a single point of failure that is China. Uh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll drive into Kazakhstan with them. They'll get them out. Stricter supervision due to carbon concerns. Does the Chinese government really care about carbon concerns? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, of course not. No, 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 not at all. They lie. They, they're going to say what they got to say here. All right, David, what you, you, you tweeted out about this and you talked about it some. Yeah, I talked about it this morning on the show. Um, I don't believe that China gives, you know, two feathers about uh, their carbon footprint. As, I mean, that's that's never been an issue for them. I, and, and I was just I was preparing for this particular uh, uh, part of your show. I was looking at I can't bring it up now because I, I tried to move the website over to a different uh, a different screen and it started jacking up my my communications here. So I just cut it down. So going from memory, these guys in 2020 had like, we're representing something like 25% of carbon emissions. And they had built like, I can't even remember the number of coal fire power plants, just one after another, after another, after another. And then all of a sudden there's this one piece today that I got into that said that all of a sudden they're concerned about their, their carbon footprint. No, they are not. They are not concerned about their carbon footprint. This is something else or it's nothing at all because none of us are in China. We're, we're not talking to the miners. We're not on the ground looking to see if there's, you know, bunches of armed troops walking around th these regions telling people to shut down their miners. I have no idea what's going on over there and, and neither does anybody else except the people that are actually on the ground. So with that said though, is that even if like if, if this type of thing is happening all the time, like to like, for instance, it, I, we got a hash rate crunch down to like 140 to 138 exahashes a second. And then like yesterday I was doing the show and it was at 168 exahashes per second. Today it was back down to 142 exahashes per second. Those are some pretty wild swings. So I don't know what happened today, but it was like a 15% drop in hash rate over a 24-hour period. So I think that we're going to start seeing an exfiltration of mining equipment from China. You know, like you were saying, Kazakhstan. But I also think that we're going to end up having a lot more mining come over to the United States where we're starting to figure out we're I was talking about it this morning. We're a lot of us that are talking about mining in North America are literally looking for the cheapest, lowest yielding energy that we can 
to be put into Bitcoin mining. And the more that that actually happens, because it's low yield energy, and I'm talking about like flared gas, you know, uh, the syn gas type stuff out of uh, the carbonization of wood. And it, when you do that, it releases gas and you can run a generator off of it. But because they're so low yield, centralization is not in the cards. By its very nature, low yield and stranded energy is all over the damn place. That's good. I think that that's actually really bullish because it's going to do two things. One is it won't centralize in the United States like it has in China. And China's going to lose a lot of their hash power and redistribute it to North America. And that can go into Central America and also into South America. It certainly is up in Canada. So I think the, the great equalization of hash rate is probably upon us. Yes, the stranded uh, gas up in Canada. They're doing, Steve Barber doing a great job up there, baby. All right, Paul, your, your take on the China, China article here. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to know what's really going on there. Um, <laughs> like you all were saying, uh, it's questionable how much they actually care about carbon emissions. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have talked to miners who know like quite well other miners in China and uh, they seem to not be concerned. So for whatever that's worth, uh, that's... China fun of the week. But hey, it gets the clicks, the clickbait. Oh man! Well, let's let's move on to something else that gets uh, a lot of attention. Wait, Adam. Oh yes, please. Could I, could I jump in here too, real quick? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, uh, just you know, piggybacking on what Dave and and uh, uh, man, your name on here is fellow Jitzer, Paul. Paul. <laughs> Paul. Uh, sorry. sorry about that. So uh, uh, so jumping on like kind of what you guys said, you know, we've got folks on the ground in China. We've had a uh, uh, we've had an office there really since uh, 2015, I guess. And, you know, every single time you see news come out of China, the very first headline is completely wrong. Uh, they always get it wrong. I think China does that on purpose in the way that they communicate so that, you know, it's kind of always a smokescreen in terms of what actually is happening. Uh, but so, you know, what ends up, you know, what ends up coming from this is definitely not whatever is the obvious uh, kind of outcome. It, it's going to be something uh, either it's going to be a nothing burger, kind of like what you guys said, or it'll be something very niche and random. And, you know, the last thing that, that China wants to do is is actually let hash rate flow out of China, because then, you know, that goes their only chance at trying to apply any pressure whatsoever. Uh, the one other thing that I would say that I was just thinking about is like, I wonder how much of this is like, indirectly from that Peter Thiel kind of comment that he made uh, a couple weeks ago where he was like, you know, Bitcoin is this like uh, uh, this Chinese, you know, it's, it's a, a monetary weapon and, and China could use it kind of, I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah. you know, uh, uh, that was some 40 chess there. And I feel like we're still seeing kind of the ramifications and, and uh, I expect there to be more, more mining news, FUD, uh, stuff coming out of China uh, as kind of Bitcoin continues to grow. And ultimately, it's going to be a geopolitical thing. It, like every country is going to need to be mining. Otherwise, they are at the whims and, and wills of other countries. And the last thing I'll say uh, is it also means that we need to be really looking at Stratum V2 and, uh, uh, you know, how to 
decentralize hash rate itself and, and be able to like kind of remove the ability to, to censor and remove some of the, the, the you know powers that miners have today in the system and and just de democratize it even more so uh, uh just wanted to add those two cents no, I, I really appreciate you pointing out that, you know, the information that we hear from China usually is completely wrong at first. That's that's one of my the reasons I still bring up this Chinese stuff is is to point that out that you why go why worry about something that is going to be it's going to do a 180 on you. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you do not know the truth uh, when the story originally comes out. And man, oh, man, if, if I can say one thing has been constant through the years and I've been in this space for years, is just China news. People obsess over it. And my advice is to completely ignore it. It's just, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't change your life at all because I've heard it all. I've heard it all 10 different times at this point now. Uh, you know, they, they banned it 100 different times. So. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I've been all the way since 2013 is when I remember the first China rumor, like China banning Bitcoin in 2013. So yeah, it's it, been nonstop. It, it's it never it never ends. Uh, but so that's the you know people. Will, Why are you bringing it up? I'm only bringing it up to tell people that it's so it's nonsense. It's such nonsense. And I'm not I'm not here for clickbait or anything like that. Obviously. All right. Well, let's let's move on to a a, a subject matter that has been, uh, I guess, beneath the surface. People talk about it sometimes, but it really relates to. Uh, Newbies buying altcoins and the intrigue of altcoins, it's unit bias, all right? Mm -hmm. And the, the big question here, Paul, is a, a, a lot of people in the space say are, are putting pressure on exchanges or, or at least yelling about it on social media saying, list Bitcoin in Satoshi's. List it a different way so the number is not that intimidating. The price of Bitcoin is not that intimidating because apparently $50,000, $60,000, it scares people away. So they're like, I'm going to get the thing that's 30 cents. Okay. So I don't know how much of this is being driven by unit bias, you know, people buying Dogecoin, people buying Ripple, people buying whatever. There's definitely some of it. At the same time, I don't know how much of it can be quote unquote stopped. If the exchanges actually list Bitcoin a little differently, if they start selling Satoshis here, so what is your, what's your take on that? So should should uh, uh, the ex exchanges uh, change the way they list Bitcoin at least some of the time? Um, it will it actually make a difference? Will more people want to buy Bitcoin if they think it's cheaper? <laughs> Oh, man, it's kind of a depressing question to be asking because it points out the kind of economic, like, illiteracy of people, yep. right? Yep. Like, yep. I don't know if it would help all that much. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't have a good answer there. I, I think I, I've said for a while – you know, I, for me, I, I thought it would kind of go away this uh, this problem that people would stop asking about this. But I, I do see uh, it's it's actually gotten worse. And but at the same time, if people are that they don't do their research and, and they're just buying nonsense because it's cheap, they're going to get confused by listing it as satoshis. I yeah. think I think there can be it can add a lot of confusion too. Yes, I would like I would like to see some experiments maybe. But mm -hmm. there's just a lot of people that are very hard lined about it, like. List in Satoshi's. Why aren't you listing in Satoshi's? I mean, again, it's a private company. They can do what they want to do. Sorry, uh, you have anything more to say about that, Paul? Yeah, I mean, 
the issue is that then you have to explain what is a satoshi yeah right and and then like you have to say okay you know how a dollar can be divided into a hundred pennies well one bitcoin can be divided into a hundred million satoshis and like right there you've probably lost the majority of people who were confused to begin with you know so yeah i don't know it there's no good answer there yeah. i don't think well david you you've tweeted about this before i think or talked about it what, what's your take uh having like okay like let's let's take it to the extreme and say like on monday everybody wakes up and every exchange has changed to satoshi's cost you know like a dollar buys you 1801 satoshis bad move dude that's a bad move that's going to confuse the living crap out of people all over the place. And they won't know what the, they won't know they're dealing with Bitcoin. It's just a bad thing. Now that said, it would be cool for an experiment to be, you know, to be done on something like, I don't know, Binance that when they list Bitcoin, that there's an extra thing that's in the listing that says in parentheses, $1 equals 1800 Satoshis or whatever, or whatever we're at. That's in the same listing, but make sure that BTC is right there because otherwise you don't know what you're dealing with. But even then, possibility of confusion. So in my in my you know gut of guts, I think it's just actually up to the up to a bunch of plebs to get all over social media and do like one of the things that I did was a tweet that said, Have you heard about the new cryptocurrency dollar sign sats? You can buy them for you know, you can buy this many of them for, you know, a dollar. And it's just as good as, as Bitcoin because it is actually Bitcoin. And I, I only I think that that's really the only the only real solution. And to let if that movement were to take off and it grows organically and it grows over time, then it kind of soaks and washes in, into the population. Whereas if you just say, hey, everybody's just going to call them Satoshis from now on, forget it, dude. I wouldn't want that. So that's sort of where I'm at on this. All right. Uh, uh, Brandon, Bitcoin Magazine, you work for them. You've got to have an opinion on this one. Yeah, you know, it's actually, I find this a super fascinating question. And, and uh, I think the answer to it is decentralized. Like, uh, I think that we'll see kind of an emergent uh, question arise, which is what is the functional unit of Bitcoin? Uh, is it a Bitcoin or as Bitcoin continues to grow in value, does it become a, you know, Desicoin or Centicoin or Satoshi or whatever it is? And, uh, you know, like how how helpful is it when, you know, one Bitcoin is a million dollars and everyone's transacting in 0. 0.0001 Bitcoins, right? Like that that just user experience isn't as good. Uh, and so I do get the idea of, you know, pricing things in Satoshis and talking about Satoshis. I agree that it's going to be a nightmare to try to explain that to everyone. But I actually, you know, part of me thinks that that's probably the right way to go at this point. Or, you know, and it doesn't have to be like an edict. No one's going to say all exchanges must use Satoshis starting now. But uh, how quickly will you see, uh, you know, some, one exchange try it? Maybe they see a bump in uh, volatility on Bitcoin because, you know, it's so much cheaper. Or maybe they see a bump in just trading volumes because it's easier to kind of price out what you're buying and it feels like you have more. Uh, and then that might lead to the next one and the next one and the next one. I don't know. But my gut is, is that 
you know, there is something to the cheap coin thing because people are idiots. Uh, and, you know, like they're going to buy the cheap coin. And that's why Doge is at 30 and, and Ripple's at whatever it's at. And like, it sucks, but that's that's just truth. And so, you know, uh, uh, I hate the gimmick of it, but having Satoshi's price somewhere, I think is a, is a totally valid thing to do. And, and ultimately probably where the industry needs to go just to keep things at a unit bias that is reasonable for the average consumer. Yeah, I was thinking, um, I guess I, I should relate this to you. I got a, a couple of buddies that uh, been calling me and asking me about Bitcoin and whatnot. And I remember this one particular discussion with a guy, one of the guys that I've known the longest of my life. And he, the, we, he started talking about the S coins and that I, I called him and he said, sorry, I didn't answer. I was trading S coins. And I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? And, and about, it took me about, 90 seconds of listening to him talk to go into violent throws of Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> it was like, it was like I was home again, except this guy is a guy I know. And I'm like, the hell's going on in either event. He told me this one thing that stuck with me. He says, but David, you got yours. Now it's time for me to get mine. <sighs> this is what we're dealing with. It's all over the place. The other friend who I've known a long time, but not quite as long as my other guy, um, when he was talking to me, one of the things he said is, and I don't know how he pulled Cardano out of this, but he's like, I've also been looking at ETH and Cardano. What do you think of them? And I'm like, I, I, there, no, I'd like, like, no. And here's why. And I gave him like, like two of the 500 reasons why not. And, but he is the same way. It uh, this goes be far beyond unit bias. This enters into the realm of just how lazy somebody's going to be, or and I, so let's not call them lazy. Let's just say they're not as captivated by this world as we are because they haven't learned what money is in the first place in their own world. We've all exited at least mentally from a from a you know, facultative situation, we all have still have to deal with the fiat fiat world, but all of our minds are exist in a different place. Their minds do not exist in that same place. It took us years. It took me since 2015 to come to the understanding that I have about Bitcoin as it stands today. And I don't know a tenth of what I need to know. I can't imagine trying to pile this up on the normies. I mean, I'm I'm six years ahead of these guys, and it's, that's not that's not a, a, a badge of honor I would really want to wear. How the hell to bring these people up to speed where we're at without having them to go through six years of pain is a question that I'm never going to be able to answer. But it's a question that damn well needs to be answered, and I don't know how to do it. Mm, you you brought it up a level there. Now you know it, it does go beyond unit bias uh, for, for, in many aspects of this. Uh, issue definitely definitely well guys you have any anything else uh, panel members to add to, to this discussion before we yeah uh, yes. so i mean i've been hanging out quite a bit on clubhouse which has become quite an interesting uh place for bitcoin discussions and the amount of people who come into like bitcoin clubhouse rooms and start asking about like hey is it a good idea to trade s coins uh in order to 
be able to buy more Bitcoin. And like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. And like the advice we give is no, that's a very bad idea. Um, and I think it's really, it's a couple different things. One is just lack of education in terms of like people who think that, oh, maybe I should have a diversified uh, portfolio, like maybe like 50% Ethereum or whatever, right? And that doesn't make sense, obviously, for a lot of different reasons. But um, yeah, people, I think, beyond the lack of education, also want to catch up, right? Like they think that they may have missed the boat. Um, on Bitcoin gains. And so they think, oh, maybe this other coin is going to improve and like grow in value more than Bitcoin can, right? But they haven't like zoomed out and like understood the core fundamentals of like what money is, as David was saying, you know? So yeah, I see this a lot on Clubhouse. Uh, yeah, th th that can be summarized as Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin, but they're not, they're not gonna accept that. They think their coin is the next Bitcoin. And uh, I forget the other, the, the other one, the other saying I was going to toss out there: uh, for diversification for the sake of diversification. I mean, that's that's I gotta have a portfolio. I just can't have one, uh, one coin. Uh, so I, you know what, you, you you bring up an interesting subject though, uh, Clubhouse. What is going on over there? I mean, <laughs> I listen to these things, dude, and I gotta tell you, sometimes it's. I'm not too intrigued. I mean, it's it's kind of a turnoff. Some of the stuff I hear over there, it's it seems to be a big mishmash of people yelling and drinking beer or something. So so give us give us your take. I mean, it, it's it's definitely brought you back to social media in a very interactive way, there, Paul. I mean, what, yeah. what's what, why do you like it? So it depends what rooms and what people uh, you follow, obviously. Um, and certain rooms, like as with anything, you'll have like low tier conversations others are higher end like more educated types of conversations um but interestingly um they're the third largest club on clubhouse is a bitcoin wow. club with like uh, i think something like three hundred fifty thousand followers or something like that and um and yeah they like the bitcoin rooms seem to get like quite a lot of usage uh it's one of the largest uh uh rooms that uh continuously is on the app right um and uh yeah like it's a lot different from like bitcoin twitter in the sense that you can have like a lot more context right like back and forth uh, if you've got the right people speaking like experts you can have great conversations right like especially like having like miners that like have like two percent of the hash power like sitting there talking with a uh, a expert in uh, regulations who like saw the nasty insides of the 2008 financial collapse and then you have someone who is like i don't know jimmy song also there like nbk the guy who makes cold card also there right so a hardware wallet expert um it's a really interesting mix when you have the right people um but obviously you don't always get a good mix of people um but yeah and just also like being able to talk to folks in iran venezuela uh china um uh, lebanon like these people are 
like actively going to Bitcoin clubhouse rooms to talk about like their experiences and what they're trying to do with Bitcoin in Lebanon to like avoid hyperinflation that's going on there. So it can be pretty fascinating. But yeah, like with anything else, you've got like terrible rooms too. So, <laughs> well, you know, you you I you said something that I didn't know about Clubhouse. I mean, that it, it's that that Bitcoin room is like the third most popular. I mean, so big Bitcoin is a big hunk of Clubhouse. Then I mean, or... surprisingly, yeah. So I was um talking to like one of the uh, folks who started uh like the largest Bitcoin room, because there's actually a bunch of different uh, like Bitcoin clubhouse rooms, um, or uh, I think they're called clubs. Um, but yeah, it just so happened that for whatever reason, like the mix of early adopters, you know, and techies, um, like a lot of it ended up being Bitcoiners. And so, yeah, it's just a ton of uh, like every day, I'm in on Clubhouse. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of a little bit uh, obsessed and addicted, um, and because uh, it's also like a really interesting way to get a feel for what people, like what the sentiment is, and like what level people are at, you know. And so you've got newbies asking newbie questions, but a lot of people like are at the level where they're like asking about, okay, I want to get my money off the exchange. Like, is this hardware wallet the right wallet? Is this like, uh, what about multi-sig? So like, I think the level of education, you can see it like starting to go up higher. Um, so it's been really interesting for me to participate in that. Okay, and one, one last question about it. Is it here to stay? Will, will people still be doing this a year from now? That's a very interesting question. Um, so I, I don't know if you know, but they're backed by uh, Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, and like have a multi-billion dollar valuation already. And so it's very likely that Andreessen Horowitz and other VCs are going to plow as much money into making this work as possible because it could, I could see it like upending uh, a lot of uh, social media. I mean, that's why like Twitter is coming out with Twitter spaces, which is basically a clone. Facebook is apparently also working on uh, something similar to Clubhouse. Um, yeah, it's it's like if you find the right folks to follow in the right rooms, it can be incredibly compelling. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I think it'll stick around and it's still an invite only and iOS only. Uh, so once they open up, hmm. it, it could blow up. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that is an issue with some of the people who watch my show. I did. I told them to go to Clubhouse, but they can't get into the Clubhouse because they haven't gotten the invite yet, and uh, they and they or they don't have an iPhone. So, all right, very very good. Do you two have anything to say about that, uh, David or uh, Brandon, about the Clubhouse? I've got two takes, uh, uh, super quick. Number one, I think that Clubhouse is ultimately just the biggest marketing tool for Andreessen Horowitz, so it won't ever die. Uh, this is like. You know, could you imagine uh, uh, they have the biggest uh, room, I think, with their like a uh, uh, daily show or whatever it is. Um, all that they, you know, like they're building thought leadership. They now have their own platform to put all their thoughts out there. They can highlight all the companies that they're investing into. They can basically build a community around whatever topic or uh, uh, company that they want. Like this is the, the ultimate VC tool that I've ever seen. Uh, so, so I can't imagine it uh, ever going away or at least 
not until Andrews and Horowitz and some of these other huge uh, Silicon Valley VCs fade, fade away as well. Uh, the second take I would give is that uh, there is a killer app in here for Bitcoin, which is, you kind of uh, mentioned it, but it's, it's uh, basically tech support for Bitcoin where uh, you can, you know, because you have the signal of the room that you're in, uh, uh, you know that the people who are going to be speaking there are not going to lie to you. They're not going to scam you. Like, you know, there's other people in there that are basically uh, can like check them and call them out if they're saying anything that's wrong or will get you into any sort of trouble. And people can just jump in, ask their question, get an answer and jump out. And like uh, uh, that is such a like, finally somewhat scalable onboarding tool for all of the people trying to get into Bitcoin. So I think that right there is a killer app. I don't know how you monetize that, but, but I think it's awesome. And, and so for that reason, I think it's a cool platform. Dude, pound that like button. Those are two really good points there <laughs> about being a, a, a customer service for Bitcoin or whatever. I forgot the exact term that you use there, but yep. the place where you, can, you can ask legitimate questions and that the, uh, the VCs are, this is their platform, man. This, uh, yeah, that's a very interesting take on. Do you have to get out of here by, by any chance? It seemed like you were in a rush all of a sudden. You know, you were like two real quick, quick points. I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want you leaving all of a sudden. If you, do you have to leave? I've got a hard cutoff at uh, uh, two o five my time. So, so like okay. seven minutes. But uh, all, right, all right, yeah, yeah. So let me get you. We're going to keep on doing this show, but I, do, I want you to give your conclusionary remarks. Uh, what's up and, and just uh, talk a little bit more about the uh, event if you if you want to yeah right now yeah 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 yeah, yeah just, so I mean, yeah. Uh, once again Adam thank you so much for letting me uh, come on the show and, and talk and I really appreciate it this is you know my personal favorite show in, in the Bitcoin space uh, so always always a fan always a, a listener and watcher so you know guys uh, uh, Bitcoin 2021 it's coming up uh, I you know can't wait to, to have it happen. It's, this is something we've been working on since 2019. Uh, COVID ruined our plans for 2020. So all of the thoughts and creativity and juices have been flowing for over a year. Uh, and like we we're planning to make this something special. Like this is, this is gonna be an event to remember. Uh, we're capturing the ethos of coming back into the world, the end of COVID, Bitcoin bull run. And just the, the the newfound ethos of freedom that that our community really is is seizing. So uh, this is just an, an amazing opportunity to come meet everyone, to come you know grab a drink, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you there. Uh, other than that, you know, I'll toss it back to you guys. Yeah, I, you make a very good point. I I, I want to remind everyone this event did not happen in 2020. So this is really 2020 and 2021 all pounded in the one freaking big event. Two years built up. And it was supposed to be San Francisco in 2020, and now it is pivoted to the best city in the United States right now, which is uh, Miami, Florida. Well, excellent. Okay, let's go back. Uh, and if you if you you know get out of here, get out. If you, you disappear, disappear. David, what, what do you have any take on the uh, clubhouse thing? Uh, okay. First thing is is that I have tried to be in there a couple of times, and I don't like it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's because of, you know, listening to Bitcoin Tina yell at people I don't, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. It's, it's not, it's not the content that's driving me nuts. It's the, it's the format. It's like this ongoing thing that like these, you know, there's so many people in a room and they're talking about, you know, like this one thing and these things will go on for like three, four, five hours. And it's like, you, 
Oh, longer, like a, 24 hours sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but I need a cutoff, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's just me. That's just the way that I think. And it's I'm like, but I, I will say this about Clubhouse is that there's a couple of things that I kind of think about, like, I'll bet you that in the future, they're able to take some of those clubs private and make it pay for, you know, pay only. And those clubs will, I'm thinking of something like, have you ever listened to the uh, podcast, The Moth? Nah, nah. It's from, I, I'm not a big fan of NPR for various reasons, but they do have this one show that they subsidize called The Moth. And what it is, is a bunch of regular people team up with professional storytellers and the storytellers teach these people how to tell particular stories from their own life in a way that is kind of professional on a stage and they tell their story, whether sad or funny or whatever, but they're just regular people. I could see the moth translating into a private room that, if we if we did it right, you would just stream Satoshi's like the, the Sphinx chat model. Um, I could see that coming too. So I don't think that I don't think Clubhouse is entirely without any merit. I think that that merit's going to be built in as it moves along because it's brand new. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be. It's just like nobody really knew what Bitcoin was going to do. No, no when, when Bitcoin came out, nobody had any inkling of a Lightning Network. Nobody had any inkling of Liquid or or the way that options were going to expire on frickin' Fridays at the end of the month and cause everybody to get wrecked. I mean, you know, we had no clue. It, there was no way to see that. So whatever Clubhouse becomes, it will not be what Clubhouse looks like now. But one thing is for sure, I don't think Clubhouse is going away. Podcast time has basically gone to zero, and Clubhouse has taken up all of that time basically um because it's, in a way it's kind of like an interactive podcast right and so if you're able to curate like with podcasts you can curate which podcasts uh have the best content if you can curate um the people you follow on clubhouse it can be a very similar kind of thing and i got over like my hatred of it i was just like so annoyed by the fact that there would be random rooms happening in the middle of the day but then i was like whatever let me let me try it out let me hang out and yeah then right now fast forward i'm completely addicted to it excellent and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see how this progresses it's a, it's a very very interesting uh world we're living in here we're uh I, I do i like how it isn't recorded though like so maybe when i host my room i'll, I'll tell some uh, personal stories personal information that I never, I never share because I don't want people to remember it <laughs> or use it against me in the future. You know, people always yeah. complain. People always complain on here. Adam, why don't you say how old you are? Maybe I'll say how old I am on Clubhouse or something. All right, so let's no, uh, never. Uh, let, let's let's uh, let, let's move on to. Well, actually, uh, Paul, tell us about Puerto Rico, man. A, 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 any any Bitcoin thoughts about Puerto Rico? How you how you live in it over there? Yeah, so um, I don't know if you're aware, but there's this interesting little—I uh, don't know if you'd call it a loophole—but uh, you can uh, end up paying zero percent capital gains tax if you are a bona fide Puerto Rican resident um, and you meet the criteria. Uh, there's something called Act 60 here in Puerto Rico, which, uh, because Puerto Rico is a territory and not a state. Uh, like in the U.S., there's no taxation without representation, right? And so 
the federal uh there's no federal uh taxes that apply to uh bona fide puerto rican residents at least with regard to capital gains um and so yeah uh i have taken advantage of that and it's been a great <laughs> great thing considering i've been a hundred percent in on bitcoin like since 2013 so uh yeah now i don't have to like pay taxes anytime i like have to pop, like sell some bitcoin for food right yeah uh, but yeah so it's nice uh okay so this is, is is there any worry that this could all be revoked if puerto rico becomes a state so uh, i mean there's potentially yes and uh it's a thing like the puerto rico statehood thing has been happening for decades at this point and it doesn't look like there's much of a chance of it happening anytime soon. And worst case scenario, um, the thing is, is that I, it, now having been a Puerto Rico, like bona fide resident and having like, I basically started with a clean slate, right? Like, so I did something blasphemous, which is I sold all my Bitcoin before moving to Puerto Rico, moved to Puerto Rico, bought it all back up. And the reason for that was to have a clean slate where going forward, I never had to worry about capital gains again, right? And uh, because of that also, um, there, like if for whatever reason I ever uh, needed to renounce US citizenship, um, I should not be affected by an exit tax. So worst case scenario, um, Puerto Rico becomes a state or something crazy happens in the US that I want to distance myself from. And yeah, I am legally uh, kind of in a no strings attached kind of situation. Two, two more uh, uh, Puerto Rico questions here. Uh, the, in, we, we keep hearing about a DC statehood and then they throw in a Puerto Rican statehood with it. I mean, it's, it's a power grab uh, by the, the Democratic Party, but it appears to me and I, I, on the ground in Puerto Rico, do people really want it to become a state? Is it, 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 you said it's highly unlikely for it to happen. That's why it's highly unlikely, right? Because the people don't want to be a state, do they? Yeah, I mean, there was, um, every once in a while, there's like polls or surveys uh, of how many people want it to become a state. Like the last one was basically 50-50. Um, hmm. I don't know. It, it, I feel like it be highly unlikely to happen anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's a. I think the media makes a bigger deal out of a Puerto Rican statehood than it really is. You know, the possibility of it happens. And uh, what's your? So do you run into crypto people, Bitcoin people? Who do you, do you hang out with? Some people there. Oh boy. So that's a whole thing in and of itself, right? Because uh, you have a lot of uh, s coiners who uh, do a lot of uh, like alt trading and such who moved here. Um, a lot of, I mean, flat out scammers too, you know, um, who started projects and such, which I, I don't want to get into naming them or whatever. Um, but it's been tough to find like Bitcoin maximalists. So yeah. Um, and I think it's mostly because this isn't on a lot of people's radar as a thing that you can do, you know, it's pretty like not many people seem to know about it. Um, but that, that's been one of the things that like I bring up on clubhouse and has been coming up more and more, especially with like all the scare, uh, 
the fear mongering about like capital gains tax increases right um yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah that that what uh, biden is threatening there it, it was not a, a good thing i i was not pleased about that and uh, i did think about the uh the Puerto Rican option there that some people have already, you, you put yourself into it. You really, you took the deep dive by selling all your Bitcoin and then buying just the, the fresh start. I mean, you're in this yeah. for the long haul. Yeah. yeah. And the, okay, you, you, you did it. Good, good, good. Uh, David, do you have any thoughts on Puerto Rico? I know you're no expert or anything on it, but uh, maybe you had some questions no. or something. All right. Uh, uh, no, no. I, well, I'm not an expert on Puerto Rico, but what I do want to know is given what you just said about all the, uh, ICO guys walking around in Puerto Rico. We've been hearing a lot of really cool stuff coming out of Bitcoin Beach down in El Salvador. Yeah. Is there any chance whatsoever that a microcosm of that could be kickstarted in Puerto Rico? Or is it just is there just too much noise? So yeah. Um I have purposefully been maintaining kind of a low profile and not being like I don't know, outspoken about Bitcoin here because, uh -huh. I mean, there's literally a term for this in Puerto Rico, which is uh, the crypto conquistadors. So, oh, God. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, the connotation's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like this idea that these gringos, these Americans are coming here. Uh, they're like crypto billionaires and they're buying up all the property and gentrifying and like making it so that the locals just can't, can't afford anything. Right. So okay. that's kind of a narrative and um, it's not necessarily wrong is the thing. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, so, and especially when you like tack on the fact that uh, it's, that there's 0% capital gains for uh, the people who are considered the crypto conquistadors. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I personally don't see that happening anytime soon in Puerto Rico. Um, but it, it would have been nice. Like, yeah, what's happening in El Salvador sounds awesome. Um, yeah. What do you have any, I don't know how, like if you've ever even spent time down there, but you're closer than I am. Is there mm -hmm. any reason why those guys get it? But the people in Puerto Rico don't. I mean, is is there a crypto conquistador connotation down in Uruguay and El Salvador and Argentina? Or uh, I'm not aware of it. I mean, the Spaniards did conquer most of South America. Right. Well, yeah. That's why they speak Spanish down there. Right. Um, but it's. I don't think it's necessarily. I, I'm not sure historically speaking, but I have a sense that Puerto Rico has had more like changes of power, right? Like it was originally the Spaniards and then uh, I think someone else and then the US took over here. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's kind of been passed around, you know, as a territory, an island. Uh -huh. And uh, for that reason, like just the locals are kind of, I don't know, jaded and rightfully Can't so. blame them. Yeah, yeah. Can't blame them. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's 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 pivot to a, one final discussion here because both you guys have a little you have some background in this. Uh, technical news, any lightning type of stuff you guys want to share? Any uh, technical stuff? As I'm no technical expert, so when I have guys that have uh, you know that, that deal with that, uh, you know, I thought that you guys might have some stories and news. Anything you want to share on that end? Brandon, you want to uh, go first? 
Uh, sorry, Paul. <laughs> Paul, do you want to go first? It's all good. Um, so I'm not aware of any uh, any big uh, Lightning Network news. Um, of course, there's like Lightning Pool happening, which is interesting, right? People are starting to make some sats uh, providing liquidity uh, for others on a uh, marketplace, uh, so that like you can route payments easily. Um, and beyond that, I mean, Lightning is just getting easier and easier for folks to use. Uh, if you want to run your own Lightning node, um, there's uh, a great like software suite called Umbrel, U-M-B-R-E-L, and their website is getumbrel.com, and it makes it super easy for you to like uh, start running a full Bitcoin Core node with uh, a Lightning Network node as well if you want. Uh, your own block explorer, um, wallets, everything, right? So you're fully self-sovereign. And it's basically like a one-click install. They have a little like app store of sorts where you can choose to install different things. And yeah, like a lot of people are starting to run their own nodes, which is awesome. Yeah, don't, just don't over-install the apps. That's just only only install what you're going to use. Because yeah, I yeah. made the mistake with my node. That's what I got. I got it on a Raspberry Pi 4. Mm -hmm. And when I got it, I had, like, you know, I had Bitcoin Core. And then I, I got my Lightning node set up. And next thing I know, I got mempool.space open. I got all kinds of stuff. And I'm running at 60 degrees C. And almost all of the RAM is maxed out. And I'm like, I'm not actually using, you know, <laughs> BTC pay server. I don't even know why I've got it on. Yeah. So anybody who's going to get a node, make sure that you don't overinstall the apps. Now, as far as Lightning on from my end is concerned, I've been involved in the Ring of Fire, which is a group of people that kind of got together with the under the auspices that they were going so uh, somebody had made a drawing and or formulated in their mind which became a drawing a a, a bunch of different sized circles with nodes at the point uh, like, you know, like a, a one circle would consist of like, let's say eight nodes. And <clears throat> those eight nodes would be lightning nodes. And what they would, the idea was to open channels to each other concentrically in a ring that consisted of the exact same amount of Satoshis on those channels so that you'd have a per almost a perfectly balanced ring of liquidity that flowed directionally through these nodes. And then there would be another circle of nodes that had a different set. So I'm in the 1 million Satoshi ring. There is a 5 million Satoshi ring. There's a 500,000 Satoshi ring. I think there's a 100,000 Satoshi ring. But as we get to those lower numbers, it gets more dangerous for channel closure. So I think it's going to end up going higher. But the point is, is that when you get all these nodes, these rings going, then those rings connect to other rings. And what you end up with, in my mind, I don't know if anybody's really ever said it before, is it sort of seems to me like we're building a liquidity engine at, that's inside some kind of lightning super node. And there is a telegram group for it that has about 160 people in it. Matt O'Dell's there. I, I, somehow or another, I suckered him into it. I don't know how. but uh, So he's come in and looked around. Uh, it's a great place to get set up if you want to start learning about how Lightning works and how opening channels works and how 
rebalancing channels and loop ins and loops out. You got 160 people there and some of them more than a couple of handfuls really know what the hell they're doing. You can ask questions. I, you know, I, like when I tell people and I give them the invite link to the telegram group, they, uh, I, I make sure to tell them it's like, there's no, there's no question that's too stupid because none of us really know what, what's going on anyway. And we're all having to learn this stuff together. We've got this super cool tech, and we kind of don't know how to use it, even though we kind of know how to use it, if that makes any kind of sense. So if any of your listeners want to get in on Ring of Fire, hit me up. My DMs are open. I'm at B-E-N-N-D-7-7 on Twitter. Just DM me and say, tell me more about Ring of Fire. I'll drop you the invite link. You get in that room and you take it from there. All right, and they're all, all these dudes are linked to below again on Twitter, so you can easily uh, click on and, and say hi to them. They're very friendly. All right, uh, we've reached the end of the show here. Uh, I just want to make sure uh, we, we covered everything. Uh, Paul, do you have anything uh, more to say? Any stories you want to talk about that didn't get brought up? What what you're doing? The floor is yours. Your conclusionary remarks. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to the Bitcoin conference in Miami. Um, and uh, yeah, beyond that, you can catch me on Twitter or clubhouse. Yeah, dude, it'll be good to see you in person again. I haven't seen you in person like for 10 years Since or something Baltimore, like I guess. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So those of you at the conference, if you see Paul and I talking, he can tell you st unbelievable stories about uh, the pre Bitcoin uh, Adam Meister and yeah. his, uh, wild parties and such uh all right Dave, david bennett we'll end it with you what do you you got to add uh, any any stories anything uh anything you're working on the floor is yours you got your podcast obviously promote that yeah uh bitcoin and is the name of the podcast you can find it on you know wherever you find your regular podcast apparently it's it's in the podcast index so everything is everything has picked it up um I'm on show, I'll be doing show 411 on Monday. So I've been in it for about three years. I've kind of got it set down. It's basically, if you want to learn about news, the news of the day, I correlate that or collate that stuff at about starting at five o'clock in the morning. And by the time it's out, it should be, it's ready for release at about 8.30 Eastern daylight time. So that by the time that the Eastern seaboard is going to work, you can figure out what's going on with Bitcoin in the morning. So you don't have to run into a tree if you're driving or if you just want to listen to podcasts on your way to work. This dab, one of the only ones that's given a daily news show. So anyway, outside of that, um, I, the only thing that's left is that IRS thing and the hardware wallet. Oh, we yeah. We won't get, I don't want to get into the weeds in it, but it should be something that the listeners should be aware of that the IRS is actively hiring talent to hack into physically possessed hardware wallets, whether it's through code or possibly grinding down the back of one of the, you know, secure elements and get it to charge up so that they can look at the photons and figure out what your seeds are. Because even though it costs a lot of money to do it, it can be done. I you know, NVK, like it's about a quarter million dollars to get the equipment to do that kind of stuff. But so the IRS is becoming actively, you know, actively involved in hardware walletry. And the news story that I did have up actually has it. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. What's the headline? 
As more investors and criminals move to mm -hmm. hardware wallets. So if you're it's right alongside of criminals. So that's sort of, and that's of course the vice headline. So don't take, you know, don't read too much into it, but it's a, a dangerous situation, but I have, I only have one thing to say to the IRS. Good luck. Yeah, Good that, luck. Yeah. I, I have the same thing to say to them. And, and if anyone is of technical skill, that's uh, watching this, don't go work for the IRS. Come on, dudes. Don't, 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 be, don't, don't be a snitch. I mean, he's, he's a but yeah, very, very interesting. They, uh, Vice was doing the dirty work for the uh, the IRS uh, public relations, just like criminals use it. Yeah. What, 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 I missed this on yesterday's show. It's clear the hardware wallet is an awesome way to freaking store your Bitcoin, or they wouldn't be, you know, put out a 25 page document looking for uh, people to try and hack it. So yeah, yep. good luck, Paul. And any uh, final thoughts on that? I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to up your game, uh, instead of relying on just one hardware wallet, um, there's always multi-sig with multi-vendor uh, mm -hmm. hardware wallets. Um, there's an excellent resource on how to set that up yourself. Uh, if you want to Google the 10x Bitcoin security guide, it goes into how to set up three out of five multi-sig fully air-gapped, um, meaning not you're using hardware wallets that are never connected to a computer or the internet. And uh, yeah, 10x Bitcoin security guide if you want to do it yourself. Or there's like services like Unchained Capital and Keys.casa, which like kind of give white glove service um, with like hand-holding you and guiding you through setting up multi-sig. Uh, but yeah, with multi-sig, you could have geographically dispersed uh, hardware wallets containing your seeds and uh, they don't even need to be in the same country, right? So right. if you want to go all jurisdictional. out. Yeah, yeah. Beyond yes. just tinfoil hat, full tinfoil bodysuit, you can do that. And I am, I am personally thinking about starting a, a YouTube series of how to lose your keys in a boating accident in 10 <laughs> steps. Nice. That's a good one right there. Unchained Capital dudes have been on this show before. Phil, of course, and uh, someone else from over there. Uh, all right, dudes. That is the end of the show. I bring you the best guest in the freaking space every freaking Friday. You never know who's going to return after three or four years or three years or whatever. Paul, welcome <laughs> back. It was great to see you here. Everybody enjoyed it. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Shabbat Shalom. Subscribe to the channel. Spread the word on Twitter. I am TechBot out there. Happy Lag Omer. Yes, that was today. I will see you guys soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Hang on. Ended it over there. And let's... Uh...